This is Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. Today we're going to take a close look at how to take a soil sample from your yard and submit it to a jar test. This will give you a lot of information about how to irrigate and how to fertilize your landscape. This and more on Desert Horticulture. Learn more about Desert Horticulture by signing up for my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's all one word, Extreme Horticulture, and starting with an X. Take some of my classes on Eventbrite if you're in the Las Vegas area. That's Bob Morris on Eventbrite. We're going to examine the soil in your landscape or on your property. I don't know what the source of this soil is, but it could be fill that was brought in from a builder or from a contractor. It uh, could be natural, the native soil that's there, the desert soil. I don't know, but uh, this simple test, a jar test, can tell you a lot, give you a lot of information about how to irrigate and how to fertilize. So let's go through this step-by-step, this jar test method of analyzing your soil and what it's like. We're basically going to divide your soil. We're going to take a soil sample, a representative soil sample, from your landscape or from around your home. And we're going to separate that into three parts. We're going to look at the percentage of sand, the percentage of silt, and the percentage of clay. Then from that, we're going to develop a name for that soil, the type of soil that you have. And from that name, we'll be able to derive some characteristics in terms of how to water, how to irrigate, and how to fertilize. So let's start that. First of all, by taking a soil sample. When you take a sample from the soil around your home, you want to sample the soil, get a five-gallon, a very clean five-gallon plastic pail, and take samples of your soil all the way from the very top to the bottom, to the bottom, to the rooting depth of the plants that you're going to have in your landscape. If the rooting depth that concerns you is only six or eight inches deep, let's say you're putting in a lawn, or you're putting in a flower bed, or you're putting in a, a vegetable area, maybe six or eight inches is all that you're concerned about. But if you're concerned about the soil that's needed for trees and shrubs and how to irrigate them, then our soil sample is going to have to be from the very top down to a distance of about 18 to 24 inches deep. You're going to walk around your property and with a shovel, you're going to dig down to that depth, taking a sample of that soil. You're going to randomly pick places in your landscape. At four or five, and you're going to take a sample of that soil from the very top surface all the way down to the depth that you know that you're going to have to deal with, or your plants are going to have to deal with. Remember, for trees and shrub, that could be 18 to 24 inches deep, but for others, it could be more shallow. Let's get a representative sample. You'll walk around four or five places, randomly selected, throw a coin in the air, and wherever it lands, take a sample, 
sample down to that depth all the way from the top to the bottom, put that sample in that bucket, clean bucket, do it in four or five locations, and then you're going to mix it with your clean hands. You're going to mix that soil together. And from that soil, you're going to take about one to two cups of soil only from that representative sample from your landscape. With that soil, about let's say two cups of soil, you're going to get a large quart mason jar that has clean sides on it that is thoroughly washed out. It's glass, you can see through it. And you're going to put that soil, that sample, from that bucket into the bottom of your mason jar. You're going to add about a teaspoon of liquid detergent to that soil. And then you're going to fill to within one inch of the top of that mason jar. You're going to fill it with water. And then you're going to shake it, violently shake it, several minutes until all of that soil has been thoroughly mixed together with the water because you're going to allow it to settle out. You can see a picture of that on my blog. It should be attached to a uh, to the the website should be attached to this episode. You're going to look at that picture, and it's a representative sample, and you're going to shake it violently. Uh, as, and then when you're done shaking it, you're going to put it on a flat surface and let it let the soil in that settle. The first component to settle out of that soil through that water is going to be sand, and it's going to be very quickly. Within 10-15 seconds, all of that sand will settle. In about another, <clears throat> another few minutes, the next particle size, the silt size, is going to settle out next. Sand is the largest and heaviest, so it's going to settle out first. The next component that settles is going to be the silt component because it's intermediate in size and particle size with the sand and the clay component that we're going to do last. That silt, if you can see it, take a marker and mark where the sand settles out in 10, 10 seconds. Put a mark there. You may not be able to see it. If you can't, don't worry. We'll catch it later. Then you're going to wait another 10 minutes or so, and the silt layer will settle out. It's intermediate in size between clay and sand. And finally, that clay portion, the smallest of the particle sizes, extremely small, will settle on the very surface. If you were to take a look, if you were to blow up the size of these particles, the sand particle, if you were to make it the size of the White House, then the clay particle, excuse me, the silt particle, intermediate between clay and sand, would be the size about of a limousine parked in front of the White House. And the clay particle would be about the size of an orange sitting on the front seat of the limousine parked in front of the White House. That's how different the sizes are between these particles. When I shook my sample that you can see on my blog, that picture, it took three days for the clay particles to settle out. They were so small and tiny. It was cloudy for three days. I had to wait. That picture that I took of that sample, I took about 
a week after I'd sh- I had shaken it and it had settled out. It still has a discoloration in it. So you're taking that composite sample from all over your yard to the depth of where you think the roots are going to be. You're mixing it all together. You're taking what we call a subsample of that, which will be about two cups in size, no more than about two cups in size, making sure everything is clean that touches the soil. You're going to put it in that mason jar, fill it up to within an inch of the top of that mason jar, put about a teaspoon of liquid detergent in there to help the soil particles fall apart, disassociate from each other. You're going to shake it violently for several minutes until everything is mixed and then let it settle. Like I told you, the sand settles first, then the silt, and then the clay, which can take a couple of days for, for settling to occur. From that then, you're going to measure the total depth after a few days. You're going to take that sample in that mason jar. You're going to measure its entire depth of that sample. In this case uh, that I have on my blog, it measured two and one-eighth inches depth. That's important. Write that down of your sample. Write it down. The silt, excuse me, the sand layer at the very bottom measured about one inch. So I take that one inch and divide it by 2.18 or about 2.2 and I come up with the clay content, sand content of that soil at about 45%. I then measure the next layer up from that bottom layer, the sand layer, which is the silt layer. When I measured it on my mason jar, I ended up with a 0.7 inch. So I divided that by 2.2, the total depth of the soil, and I came out with about the silt being about 32%. So 45% and 32% represent the sand layer and the silt layer. Now the clay layer we can determine just by subtraction. And if we do that, it comes out to about 22%. These are important numbers. So the sand percentage is 45%. The silt percentage is 32%. And the clay percentage is about 22%. So 45, 32, and 22. Now let's look at the soil textural triangle. You can see that on my blog, but it's a triangle that lists all of the different names for soil types that depend upon its content of sand, silt, and clay. If you look at that triangle, at the top of the triangle is 100% clay and 0% silt. At the bottom of the triangle is the percentage of sand. And on the left side is the percentage of clay. On the right side is the percentage of silt. If we look at those numbers, those numbers are either slanted or straight across. If they're slanted, then follow the line, the slanted line that's associated with that number, and that tells you the soil type dependent upon the type of percentages of sand, silt, or clay. So if you look on the right side of the triangle, those numbers are slanted. That's the percentage of silt. 10% is close to the top all the way to 100% at the bottom. And if you look at the very bottom, right-hand side, that, cl- that 
little part of that triangle is called silt. Because if you have 100% or even 90% silt in that soil sample, it's going to be called a silt. If we look at the left-hand side of the triangle, down in the bottom corner, and we see 100 down there, and we see that percentage of sand, and they're slanted, if it's 100% sand, it's going to be called a sand. And even 90% sand, it's going to be called a sand. If we look at the top of the triangle, it represents the clay percentage. And we don't typically see a lot of those soils that are all clay. Those can be really a problem for us to grow anything in if you've got that much clay in a soil. We like it if the percentages of sand are, are heavy, the silt is moderate, and the clay content is low. And if we follow through the center of the triangle from that tip at the very top, straight down, we see the clay percentage. And if we look at the left side of the triangle, we can see the percentages running straight across the triangle, straight across. The numbers are straight, not slanted. We follow that down the next component of that soil textural triangle, almost in the center, is called a clay loam. There's still a fair amount of clay in that soil, but it's called a clay loam. If we follow it down to the next lower level in the center of that triangle, almost to the bottom, it's called a loam soil. So a loam is a mixture of sand, silt, and clay. It's not a category all by itself. And if we were to look at a loam in the center of it, just above where the A is located, we'd find that the percentage of clay is about, is about 20%, the percentage of sand is about 40%, and the percentage of silt is about 40%. So that's a 40-40-20 mixture of sand, silt, and clay. That's the soil textural triangle and uh, finding a loam soil in that triangle. Now let's take a closer look at our soil. Our soil in that jar is about 45% sand, 32% silt, and about 22% clay. Let's find that on the soil textural triangle. What do we have? Find that 45% sand. That's at the bottom. We're going to look at 45. It's diagonal. So we find 45. There's a light line going up between 40 and 50. And that's the percentage sand we have between 40 and 50, about 45%. If we keep that in mind that line of 45 with the sand, let's then find the silt. Silt is about 32%. So let's find about where that is and follow. It's diagonal. The numbers are diagonal. So follow that diagonal line down to where it intersects with the 45% sand. And if we look across to our left, it's going to have the percentage of clay at around 20-ish percent. So the soil that we have in our jar appears to be a loam, a loam soil of some sort. It's not heavy into sand because if it were, it would have more sand than we've got. That layer would be much thicker than that. It doesn't have more silt than we estimated or it would tend to go towards that 
bottom part of the triangle on the right side towards that silt name. It doesn't. It, la- it ends up right in about in that loamy section. So we're going to call our soil a loam. The characteristics of sand, silt, and clay play an important role in irrigation as well as in applying fertilizers. Let's talk about irrigation first. If we look at irrigation, and if we look at a, if you look at back on my blog, if we have a percentage of, if we have a loamy soil, it's not a sandy loam. Taking a look, I have a table there that lists sand, sandy loam, silt loam, and clay loam in percentages. What did I say? It was 45% sand, so it's not in the high percentage of sand. It's not in the sandy loam. It just is right in the bottom edge of the sandy loam. You look at the percentage of sand in that column. It's right at 45. It's could be it could at 45 either fall into a sandy loam or a clay loam. Let's look at the percentage of silt. What did we say the silt was? 32%. Where does that fall? Well, it falls into that clay loam area as well as the sandy loam area. But our percentage of clay was about 22%. So it's going to be a little bit more than the sandy loam, a little bit more clay loam than a sandy loam. So it falls into that. Let's read that falls into that uh, loam category. If we understand, then looking at that table, if we apply one inch depth of water on that soil, Look on the far right column. It's not a sandy loam. It's not a silt loam. It's it's in between that. It's going to be a that one inch of water on the surface is going to penetrate into the soil about ten inches deep. So if we're going to irrigate five inches deep, we'd apply about a half an inch of water to that soil. If we're going to irrigate to twenty inches deep, then we better put two inches of water on that soil. Okay. So we look at the sand itself. If we have a sand, real strong sandy soil, lots of sand in it, we apply one inch of water to that soil, it's going to go down almost two feet. But if it's a clay loam, a high percentage of clay in it, and it's a loam, it's only going to go down six inches deep, one inch of water. Two inches will go 12 inches deep. So we know if we apply about one inch of water, it's going to go 10 inches deep. So we have to, on trees in the landscape, we've going to have to apply two inches of water every time we irrigate. But if we have vegetables, we're going to apply only about a little less than an inch of water on that soil to get it to go down deep enough for vegetables, flower beds, and lawns. About an inch of water. That's important distinction. So it'll tell us that. The The other side of this to realize is the characteristics of sand, silt, and clay. Sand drains water, we found, drains water very quickly. So if you apply water to it, it drains through it. That means we're going to have to apply water more often if it has a high percentage of sand. And we don't have to apply very much because it it goes down quickly. It drains quickly. It'll go deep when we apply it. One inch goes over 20 inches deep. But if we have 
a sandy loam or a clay loam, then we have a higher percentages of silt and clay. The sand, the percentage of sand drains well, but as far as holding fertilizer, it doesn't hold fertilizer. If we apply a fertilizer, it goes right through that soil very, very quickly. There's not nothing holding that fertilizer so plants can use it. That means if we have a real high percentage of sand on a soil, that means we have to apply fertilizers, small amounts, much more often. Silt, on the other hand, now let's take a look at the clay. Clay, on the other hand, is the, almost the exact opposite of sand. Extremely small particles. Remember I told you the orange size versus the size of the White House. Extremely small soil particles, but they're highly interactive. They hold fertilizer. When you put a fertilizer in, it holds it. It doesn't let go very easily. So clay can be important in a soil texture like this, but we don't want too much of it or the water doesn't drain. You saw in that column, if you follow that percentage of clay, when it gets up pretty high, it doesn't drain water. We have to put a lot of water on and it doesn't move very quickly. It stays in that soil. The same with fertilizer. It holds on to it. When you look at silt, the middle column, it's intermediate between sand and clay. It's not bad in holding fertilizer, but it doesn't hold it as tightly as clays. So if we have a soil that has a high percentage of sand, we have to water it frequently with small amounts of water. We have to fertilize it frequently with small amounts of fertilizer. Otherwise, it just washes through the soil. If we have a clay soil, a content of clay that's pretty high, then it's going to hold water. When we irrigate, we don't have to irrigate very often because that soil is going to stay wet. Also, it's going to hold on to fertilizer. So when we fertilizer, fertilize plants, it's going to hang on to that fertilizer for weeks. Maybe instead of, but when we put it down, when we put water and fertilizer down, we've got to put a higher percentage of water and fertilizer down because it holds so much. So it, there's, you don't save water by having lots of clay in the soil, but you end up watering less often and fertilizing less, uh, less often because that clay holds on to water and it holds on to fertilizer. We're right in the middle. We've got a good percentage of silt, we've got a good percentage of clay, and a good percentage of sand. That means it's going to hold fertilizer fairly well. It's going to hold water, an inch of water, down to 10 inches deep. So it's not a bad soil at all, but it could be opened up. And the way we open it up, increase the particle sizes, increase the water holding, improve drainage. The way we do that is adding organics to that soil. So we would add compost or some form of organics to build, open that soil, make it more porous, improve the drainage, improve the water moving into that soil, make it water run into that soil more quickly. Wood chips do that by putting it along, along the surface and adding compost to a soil. Makes that water uh, drain more quickly, makes it enter the soil more quickly. It's a good component to have. So you'll see that doing a simple jar test, like I explained, taking a sample from multiple places to the depths we know the roots are going to grow, mixing that into a five-gallon bucket, 
shaking it up into a mason jar with a little bit of liquid detergent in it and lots of water an inch within the surface, shaking it up violently for several minutes until it's all free of each other and floats around when we're shaking it, then putting it on a flat surface and watching it settle out. Because remember, the first layer to settle is that sand layer. And it's not a bad thing to have a, a good layer of sand, a good thick layer of sand on the bottom. The next is a silt layer, intermediate between sand and clay. And then finally, of course, is that clay layer that can may take, it may settle out quickly if it's small, if there's a small layer, or it could take days if the particles are extremely small. It may take two, three, four days before that water clears. Mark the edge of the soil, measure the total depth of that soil layer, and then each increment, each increment of sand, silt, and clay, and compare it against the total depth to get percentages. Look at the soil textural triangle, find out the name of your soil, and find out what percentages of sand, silt, and clay it contains. That tells you a lot about the soil that you have, how to irrigate it, how to water it, and how to fertilize it. That's it on the soil textural triangle and how to make it work for you in a jar test. Try it. Let me know how it works out. This is Bob Morris on Desert Horticulture.